Hey beautiful teachers, I'm Nicola Canton from Vibrant Music Teaching. Welcome to the show that's about you. This podcast gives you a sneak peek into the lives and businesses of private music studio teachers so that you can share in their successes, learn from their mistakes and feel part of a global community that's dedicated to sharing music with others. Today we're heading over to see Helen Raymaker in Illinois. Helen has experienced many studio moves which must have been challenging, but she always seems to see the light and the delight in everything. I'm sure this episode will delight you too. Helen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be with you. So to get to know our guests a little bit, we like to play a game to start off. Two lies and a truth. So I want you to tell me two things that are not true about yourself and one thing that is true, and I'll try and guess which one is the truth. Okay. When I was young, my hair was dyed purple. Okay. When I was living in a foreign country, I got the chance to ride a motorcycle and uh, rode through the countryside. It was a great experience. And I decided that I wouldn't do that anymore, but it was a great experience nonetheless. And in the course of my life, I have moved over a dozen times to various states and countries and back and forth. So those are my, actually, those are two truths and a lie. Oh, two Um, truths and a lie. I know I got it mixed up. That's okay. The game the wrong way. I think it's normally played the other way. So I think it's me that okay. got it mixed up when I designed this, but I've been going with it. Okay. So two truths and a lie. I'm going to guess that the lie is the purple hair. No, that is true. That's true. Okay. <laughs> because it made me think of your, your camera is beautiful now, but you used to have your old camera. Yes. So I thought that might be where you got the idea that it kind of made your hair look purple, didn't it? Did I remember it that? It did, one? yeah. And I joined a Zoom call for a friend's birthday and I was like orange or something. So I've <laughs> upgraded my equipment since then. Yeah. 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 No, it looks great now, but I thought that might have been where you got that from. So which one's the lie? The lie is riding on a motorcycle. I've never been on a motorcycle. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought the last one was true. If it was one truth, I was going to go with that one. Because yeah. You said a foreign country. And I was like, I did. Would she say a foreign country or would she say like <laughs> Italy? Right, right. <laughs> exactly. I've exactly. never been on a motorcycle either, and I don't really have any inclination to do so. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I tend to be kind of risk averse when it comes yeah. to things like that. So, me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's a bit about you personally, which is wonderful. Now we'd like to get to know a bit more about you as a teacher. So I want you to imagine that you have some free billboard space it's right in the center of town, which is great. It's already going to have your studio info and they've decided the image. This is a very restricted free, but you get to put three words onto it yourself, three adjectives or things to describe you as a teacher. What would you put on that poster? Um, the first word would be empathetic. I feel like that is a big part of my personality. And also then a big part of my teaching, I really try to get in the perspective of my students. I think that one result of that is that I'm not a kind of a go, go, go teacher. I used to be, 
when I was younger. And so my kids, you know, I want them to really enjoy the process of music rather than kind of going to the next level, going to the next competition, et cetera. Another word might be technique. I am very focused on the technique of playing the piano of going through my own injury and kind of retraining process with my own teacher. And then I think the third word would be, I hope that through my years of teaching piano that I have picked up my own skill as to assess and prescribe different things, kind of like your piano physician, things that will work and help students to understand music better. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. The first two kind of interrelate, don't they? Because it's about going slow, almost to go fast. Like with the technique as well, you had to go backwards maybe to retrain a bit. And that empathy makes you see that students need to enjoy the process and go slow and take your time. Yeah. I think I, you know, my retraining, I basically started at the very beginning. So Mm -hmm. there couldn't be any more basic time in the lesson than that. And that really helps me to understand what it means to be an older student and start at the beginning when many beginners start when they're tiny. But there are still a lot of high school kids. I have several high school kids who have started at the beginning and also adult students. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good to appreciate that and to appreciate the parallels with the younger student journey because you've gone back to the beginning whereas most of us if we started very young we've forgotten what that was like you know you don't remember every detail as much of when you were four years old as you would if you're learning as an adult so that's a great experience to have it's very humbling yes i'm sure took a lot of humility to do that but it was obviously worth it yeah So what was your musical upbringing like? When did you start lessons? What were they like? What was your experience? You know, I had a little toy piano that my parents bought me. You know, they didn't have a lot of money, but that was something that I could entertain myself with. I think I must have watched a lot of TV when I was little. And so I started as a toddler to kind of plink out the tunes of commercials on this piano. So then my mom... Uh, got me some neighborhood piano lessons. We walked to my teacher's house. And one of the earliest memories I have is of my mom sitting beside me on the piano bench, helping me practice. So I don't remember too much about my first teacher, but I do remember my mom being there and kind of helping me with music. She didn't play a lot of piano, but she knew enough to get, get me started. And that was a great thing for me because it allowed me to have some time with my mom. Mm. Wow, what a wonderful lesson for parents as well. You hear occasionally people tell stories like that, that it was that quality time that you spend together. And that's really the ideal, isn't it? You're lucky to have that mom. I, I was lucky. And at that point, I think my, my younger sibling had been born. So that time was pretty special to me. Yeah. So when you've got mom all to yourself. <laughs> Exactly. The rare thing when you're a sibling as one of five. I know that that very well. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was only one of two, but still it was it was very precious. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything from your lessons at that stage or, or later on that you wish had been included that you felt was left out? Oh, so many things. I mean, I definitely got a lot out of my first uh, experience at the piano, but we used a middle seat method. And I definitely remember being a little bit bewildered once we were straying from the, you know, two thumbs on C 
position. There were no games, which I tried to start, you know, students off with your games right from the get-go, from the first lesson even. And we didn't really, I didn't really learn chords or harmony until I was much older, probably in middle school. I actually had a teacher who played piano in a lounge bar. And so that's all she taught me was how to read a lead sheet and then how to harmonize and arrange the accompaniment. And my mom didn't think as much about that teacher at the time, but boy, I used that skill all the time. And I make sure I teach that to my students now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. I mean, you say until middle school, but I think most, most people wouldn't meet that side of piano playing until much later, possibly college or something like that for many people. Yeah, it, it was, it was an eye-opening experience to kind of go beyond the music on the page to do something that was creative. Yeah. And did you practice consistently the whole way through, even when your mom maybe left the piano bench? Well, I was thinking about that and it made me remember, first of all, I was not a good practicer as a child. And my mom and I would argue about whether I had practiced enough or I had gone to the piano or whether I should practice. And then while she was making dinner, I would practice and sometimes I would prop a book up on the stand and read the book a little bit. I think she was like, okay, are you practicing? And then I'd start to play a little bit and then I'd read my book. And um, I'm sure she knew what was going on <laughs> in retrospect. But uh, yeah, I, w I was not a good practicer. I really yeah. wasn't. She probably knew full well, but she was like, oh, at least she's reading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not that bad. Something productive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keeps her away from the TV or whatever else. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, so I, yeah, I was not a good practicer. Yeah. And from those roots and that journey, where did you get into teaching? When did that start to happen? Well, I had a neighborhood person. I, I started actually accompanying back when I was in elementary school. So that would be when I was about nine years old. I was asked by the music teacher to play one song for the little chorus that we had. And then I did accompanying through junior school, you know, my teen years. And then in high school, someone asked me in my neighborhood, I think, to teach their child. And back then our piano was in the basement. So this person would come into the basement and we would have a little piano lesson. I kind of cringe at those lessons at that time, you know, everyone's teaching is evolving and growing, but wow. <laughs> Hopefully they went on to continue in music. Yeah. So what prompted you to, to start? Was there any particular thing that you would suggest, oh, this is a way to make some money or? Yeah, I think in high school, my, my parents encouraged me to kind of use this as a way to earn a little extra cash. At that point, I'm not sure I had decided to go into music as a major. And so it was another aspect of it. I like the idea of teaching someone. I'm an oldest, so I tend to go into that uh, mode naturally and I, I enjoyed it. That's wonderful. And Tell me about the progression from there, because I know how you're set up right now is quite different to many teachers. So how did the trajectory move along for you in your studio? Well, one thing going back to our initial conversation is that I've moved a lot. Mm. So I haven't taught in each location. I, I had three children who are now grown 
And when they were very young, I really couldn't do much of anything but chase after them. But as my children got older, I would employ a mother's helper, someone, a, a kid, a neighborhood kid who was in junior school to watch my children while I taught. And because I was usually accompanying for a school, maybe a school that my kids attended, people knew that I was playing and they would reach out to me when they saw me at concerts. And so that's kind of how my, my studio grew organically. And after COVID, fast forward a lot, uh, yeah. after COVID, of course, I went online. And about half of my studio in New Jersey moved with me when I relocated to Illinois. And since then, I've picked up a few in-person students and then a few online students. And so my, I would say my studio is full. My, I'm full at 12. I have a small group. Yeah, small but powerful. And they're all yeah. online. I have two adults in person and two children in person. But right now, everyone is online just because of what's happening in the States. So Right, right. Yeah. But sometimes in person with some of them. Yes. But it's great that you have this hybrid, not just online, offline, but... New Jersey, Illinois now, two states going on, right? Right. It's great. And I love to see, one of the things that I love most about piano teaching is to see the kids grow uh, into themselves, you know, just as people. And so I have some students who are, you know, graduating from high school and then some kids that are started with me as beginners, the wee ones who are now going into middle school. So that's great. Mm -hmm. So fun. Speaking of growth then, can you tell me about a time when a student changed something about how you teach or maybe about how you run your business? Sure. I did have one student who started with me and her mother was very enthusiastic. She was a, a real cutie and uh, I tend to use piano safari for my beginners, especially at that age. Her parents were fairly high maintenance. And so uh, there was a lot of in-between conversation and emails about the progress, et cetera. And um, then at Christmas, the, the parent, I guess, visited a relative whose child had started piano the same time as my student. And they, I think, had been learning a lot of rope pieces because they were already playing Bach invention after just six months. Yeah. So we eventually parted ways very amicably, but it just reinforced to me that my teaching style really isn't for everybody. And yeah. I probably needed to be more upfront about that at the beginning. So live and learn. Yeah. To know who you are and what you do and that it's not right for everyone. There's no way it could be if you're doing something particular. That's right. And there have been people who've come to me and I've said, this is what I am and this is how I operate. I'm not a competition teacher. And they've said, okay, that's fine. I'm going to look for somebody else. And that's, that's okay. That's yeah. good. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe aside from that, if you consider that to be a mistake, I don't know, because you learned something from it. Is there any particular mistake that stands out to you? This could be something more general, like a trend in how you approach things, or it could be a specific moment that stands out from your teaching that you think, I wish I could change that. Well, there was a student back a few moves ago where she was going to sit for like a theory exam. And that's the one assessment that I do do. I have the kids do kind of these distance theory assessments. They're very low key. And I had gotten the time wrong, you know, for her time. And I think it was maybe that day I discovered that she was supposed to sit for the exam, you know, that afternoon. So I had to go back to the moms 
and say, I'm so sorry, but her time isn't like, you know, tomorrow or whatever. It's today. And the mom was very gracious, but I could tell she was not happy. And I was mortified uh, that I had gotten that wrong. I think it was just a question of, you know, transposing the day or something like that. But that was a very bad moment for me. Oh, I can feel it. I, I hate situations like that. There was one time when an exam appointment, uh, like a practical exam, way back, this is ages ago in my teaching, like one of my first students, but the actual letter got lost in a pile of letters. And then I discovered it and it was like tomorrow and you need to go into the city center, you know, for these exams. And, oh my gosh, just the willing it to change itself. Yeah. Feeling, why do you say this? <laughs> Yeah. And, and I guess we tend to be harder on ourselves than, I mean, I'm sure that that parent and that student do not remember that incident, yeah. but, you know, I tend to really, one of the things that I try to do in my studio is handle everything for my parents. So that really, that was not, not a good thing. So. Yeah. Well, we all have slips like that occasionally, but we can tell ourselves that all we want, but it still stands out, doesn't it? <laughs> It does. I remember it so many years later. Speaking of a long time ago, if you could turn back time to that teacher who started out teaching in the basement, did you say, that you were so cringing about earlier, what advice do you think you could give yourself that you might be able to absorb at that stage? I think really this idea of the growth mindset is very important for a teacher as well as a student. I think I'd tell myself that, you know, just to start, which I did, but to realize that your teaching is going to grow and evolve and change a lot during the course of your career. Sometimes you will choose to make that change. And then sometimes that change will be thrust upon you and you'll just be able to adapt and go with it and it will make you a better teacher. Yes. Yeah. That's a wonderful lesson to send to a new teacher. For sure. Yeah. Is there anything, Helen, you think people outside our industry misunderstand about what it is that we do? Well, you know, teaching piano is so unique because it is not only a job, but it is a vocation. I think if I weren't teaching piano, I would be thinking about piano. I would be practicing piano. I would be, you know, getting ready for my own study. So I don't think people realize how much time we put in outside of the 45 minutes, hour, whatever we spend with our own students. It's really on my mind a lot. And I'm always thinking and looking on the web and looking for resources, reading articles, trying to learn more as is a, a person and as a teacher. And I don't think people really realize that. Yes, absolutely. So true. Yeah. Finally, then, Helen, I want you to imagine a teacher out there. Perhaps they're maybe not connected to other teachers as much as you are in, in VMT and other places where you connect with others. And they're feeling a little bit uncertain, a little bit isolated, and just not sure they're doing it right. Is there any message you could send out? You know, I feel like being part of the, what I feel like is a worldwide community of teachers is so important. I'm a member of this wonderful group, which I've gotten so much out of. I'm also a member of my local MTNA, the Music Teachers Association, and I took an officer position, even though most of the time I don't really know what's going on because I knew. I just wanted to connect with other teachers. It's such a solitary profession that making that community is very, very important. So I would encourage anyone to join 
you know, of course, VMT, but also their local, you know, piano teachers group. A lot of people have gotten their start very humbly and simply, and then discovered that they're good at it, that they love it. And that's how they grow and evolve. So, yes. Wonderful advice. Reach out, join in, put up your hand yeah. for the officer position or whatever's going and just jump into it. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this with us, Helen. It was so great to have you. Thank you very much, Nicola. Thanks for listening. Do you love this show? Then please share your favorite episode with a teacher friend who you think might enjoy it and benefit from it. If you resonated with today's story, then the Vibrant Music Teaching membership is probably a good fit for you too. Find out more at vibrantmusicteaching.com.